Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, fellow Creative Control listeners. My name is Mac Cameron. I live in Toronto, and I have been listening to Creative Control with Vish Khanna since episode 119. That featured all five members of one of my favorite bands, Constantine's. I listen backwards from there and then forwards, and I know it sounds, you know, over the top or cliche, but finding the show changed the course of my life. It inspired me to pursue a career in radio and to do what I can to support the arts in my community and across the country. So I give to Creative Control because I feel like I owe the show and Vish uh, for helping me figure out what the hell to do with my life. Beyond that, I give to Creative Control because I think independent media, especially insightful, entertaining, thoughtful, and thorough independent media is something that is worth paying for. What I appreciate about Creative Control is Vish's ability to treat Canadian artists, or any artist for that matter, with the seriousness and appreciation he would any other artist. His excellent rapport with people like Steve Albini and the members of Fugazi and Stephen Malcolmus and others have earned him international appreciation. However, it's his trove of interviews with what I consider to be the most exciting generation of Canadian musicians, conducted out of genuine passion and interest, that makes this show so special. I think it is an archive of some really exciting music that is way, way underreported on and appreciated. That's why I contribute to Creative Control with Vishkana, and I hope you will do the same. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Sarah Harbour is a wondrous songwriter, singer, and multi-instrumentalist based just outside of Kingston, Ontario. Over the past 20 years, Harmer has written some of the most enduring music to ever come from Canada, releasing six solo albums since 1999, all of which have recently been reissued on vinyl by her new label, Arts and Crafts. In a unique manner, Harmer maintains this rare feat. She is respected for her artistic credibility and political outspokenness, particularly around environmental protection issues. And yet, she's also an award-winning, commercially successful singer whose infectious-inspired songs get played on the radio. Her latest pop-infused folk album is 2020's excellent 
Are You Gone, which marks her first release since 2010's Oh Little Fire, and also her first for arts and crafts. Sarah and I met over breakfast recently at a cool spot not too far from where she grew up in Burlington, Ontario, and we discussed the long gap between records, How Are You Gone came to be, some of the reflective lyrical themes on the record, missing her dear friend and mentor, Gore Downey of the Tragically Hip, the pros and cons of social media, future plans, and much more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network, with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 521st episode of Creative Control, featuring the wonderful Sarah Harmer with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Hi, Vish. It's going good. It's nice to see you again. I have to say it's been it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while since we formally have met. We've seen each other in passing. <laughs> I think we saw each other at the Tom York show. Yes. Did we? Wait. Yes, in we the did. Lobby. At the, yep. In the lobby. And then I subsequently saw you performing. Was that subsequent or not? I saw you at Roy Thompson Hall. Oh, Secret Path Secret Show? Secret Path Show you performed. Was that after? That, that? was in October. I think that... Anyway, yeah. it was around, around that the same time. time. So uh, we've seen each other. Nice. And we're here at the Trail Eatery. Which in is Campbellville. Campbellville, which I've never been to before. It's in between where your family is from and where I used to live, in Guelph. And by the time people hear this, I will no longer be in Guelph. So this is the first time I've ever been here. It's nice. It'll it's probably be the last for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is probably going to be the last for a while, which is kind of sad. You've moved around a little bit, haven't you? Not really. I have lived north of Kingston, Ontario for 20-something years. Okay, so I've lived in Guelph for 23 yeah. years, so we are probably similar. This is a cataclysmic shift for me, and I'm worried about it, but I'll be also be fine. It'll be fine. Have you thought about moving out of Kingston? Because people would say, Kingston, you're out of the game. You're not part of the thing, but you kind of like that, don't you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> the game's okay, but I like being out of it a lot of the time. <laughs> Have you lived in a bigger city? like a? I lived in Toronto on and off for a few years, and otherwise, no. I grew up you know, on a farm 20 minutes out of town, and yeah. right now I kind of live on a farmstead 20 minutes out of town, right. just another town. So you so know yourself. That's, I guess that's what I generally <laughs> like. No, it's nice. I kind of am the same way, so I'm, it'll be fun. I also think it's noteworthy that we've tried to meet a couple times this month, and we couldn't meet the first time. Both times you suggested we meet for breakfast. What is that about? I love breakfast. It's the favorite meal of the morning, is it not? It's the best meal. <laughs> it's my favorite meal of the day. I like cooking it the most. I like everything about it. You're a breakfast person. I, I get up for breakfast. Yep. I just, you know, it's one of those things you know it's going to be. Coffee is definitely a big draw. Yeah. Some scrambled eggs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I know, I know what breakfast is. <laughs> <laughs> I like breakfast too. I just thought it was interesting the both times because some people are like ah, lunch, dinner, whatever. Like, you know, but you're a breakfast person. 
I guess so. I'm kind of an adult now, so yeah. I, I get I don't sleep in too late. Get your business done right in the morning too. Get it done, and then your the rest of your day. I've is got yours. the sexier voice in the morning. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get some husk. I've got it too. Maybe. Anyway, it's nice to see you. So we're here to talk about. I'm pointing at my phone. Sorry. Are you gone? Your first record in ten years. Right. Yeah. So the obvious, and we've mentioned we've interacted a bunch of times since then. You were on the show in between your last record and this mm-hmm. one. We were talking about mm-hmm. the Line Nine concert that you uh, were organizing, and I think the time I also reached out to an Enbridge person. Yeah, you got both sides of the story. I never. Uh, it was. I didn't know what the show was going to be at that point. <laughs> I thought I would be like a you know a journalism magazine podcast, and I then I was like, I'm one person. I don't have time for this. And but that was interesting. I thought I would be level-headed and fair, and I don't know if you listened back to it. I don't remember what that guy said, but he was like a spokesman. Anyway, so we've talked, and at the time, you weren't really sure what was going on with your music. Um, You didn't know what was going on. You were just like, I don't know what to do next. What was this period like of 10 years? Like, why were you uncertain? Because in the biographical information that accompanies Are You Gone, it suggests you were working on these songs in the last 10 years, but you really buckled down this past year. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was doing a lot of different things over the last 10 years and knowing in the back of my mind, I wanted to keep singing and that I felt like I should be out there singing because that's kind of what I've worked on for a while, you know, but I very distracted by, I mean, pipeline issues and environmental concerns and, small-scale organizing, community group stuff, which really takes as much time as you have, you know? Like, there's so much stuff to do. And so once you get hooked on that drama, it can be pretty all-consuming. Yeah. I played drums in a band called Music Mall for a little while, oh, a I Kingston band. Oh, yeah. cool. So that was fun. And, yeah, I just did, you know, learned a bunch of different skills and did different things with, with my time. But um, in the back of my mind, yeah, I, I, I did want to come back to putting out and recording a record but I think I I was just really daunted by the um, one time kind of try that you get to record a song you know I was happy oh. with music but I, or with the songs but I was a little bit like how how should I make this how do I produce this how should I record it and this is is it I was just daunted by I guess levels ideas of perfection or ultimate you know um versions of stuff so i just kind of kept it was the hardest stuff i the hardest decision making mm. realm of my my life so i kept putting it off and putting it to the side but i had writ- i wrote you know songs here and there along the way yeah and then in 2017 i really was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do this so i i reached out to um marcus Paquin, who who's production work i'd heard on an eight and night record oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um that I really loved. I loved the album, and I, I didn't know Marcus, and I just thought, okay, he's in Montreal. I'm going to just reach out blindly to him. Just because of the sound. Yeah, and um, also, I I think it was Tim Baker that I was talking to, and Tim was doing some work with Marcus, and I just happened to bump into him, and he's like, oh, Marcus is a great guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just thought I need to work with somebody that I don't know so that I, I feel, like, obligated to follow through. That oh, I, you know what I mean? When sometimes when it's friends of yours, you're like, nah, let's do that later, and yeah. you can put things off. But I thought, well, if, I'm, if I kind of go into this professionally and, and kind of line up this responsibility and obligation, then I'll follow through with a, 
with making this music. So is this this is informed by the fact that because I was just scrolling through the notes of your previous records, and you seem to often work with some of the same people. Gavin Brown's name pops up on most of your discography. I would that's fair to say. He played drums on the first record, yeah. and then he and I produced some stuff on yeah. record and yeah. a few tracks. Yeah. So this is a. This was a time in your life where you're like, I just got to try something different, try different people. Like, and and it, was that pressure that daunted? You say you felt daunted by the sound. Basically, is that informed by what's going on in the cultural landscape in terms of the way music is made and consumed now? Like, were you? I, I was just thinking about this because I remember I have a sent. I was telling Nathan, our friend Nathan Moore had a copy. I think it was a CDR copy of uh, You Were Here when we were touring with Royal City in 2000. And I remember we were in North Carolina and someone put it on and the drum loop from, um, I think it's a loop. Basement apartment. Yeah, it just came on and I was like, oh, like I, I, the rest of the thing didn't quite sound that way, I think in my recollection anyway. My sense memory of it is a bit different. But I was like listening to it again now I'm like, and I said to Nathan just like yesterday, I'm like, it's so funny, like that was, that loop was, that kind of loop was more pervasive at that time because people were experimenting with technology a little bit it's it was, yeah. it was a machine right it was a drum it, machine loop or something it, it was a drum machine we, i mean we were recording on two inch tape right uh, you were here oh okay okay yeah okay. so but but yeah that was pete perlesnik who i produced that with right and he yeah he was that was his world right more than it was mine right and so that was a bit of a departure for you too to yeah. just have this little and, and you know like i i love like I, I was on this trip with a bunch of kids uh students and you know dance floor da- dance tunes come on the PA and <laughs> yeah, the dance yeah. floor pa- packs up and I'm like I want to I want to make a song like this like I want the kids to to crank up a tune you know so I, you just want it all you know yeah, yeah. when you when it's just wide open you're like I want to make I don't know I, I write different types of songs like yeah. there's some folk really stripped down stuff and then there's songs I think like this could be big and anthemic and sound huge and really sound great when you're driving down the highway yeah, you know whatever yeah. so I think I I kind of just wasn't sure I, I didn't want to hone in too much on one particular thing I wanted right. to kind of cover some some bases yeah that, that makes sense that's who you are as a, like you're an open-ended listener I would think but I assume that that kind of handcuffs you a bit too like what is this you said something about ultimate versions of songs right because the recording process is so strange that way for some people that's the benchmark like that's the song and if you play it differently live, they're like, oh, they didn't play it like the record. I mean, you've faced that probably at times, and that's a weird thing. Like, I like I like Bob Dylan because I never know how his songs are going to sound. And I, I appreciate that he's like, the, rec- the record is that day. The song yeah. on the record is that yeah. day. And, yeah, I had to, uh, and I, I had some good people around me saying that to me. You know, yeah. like, don't sweat it too much. Like, this is yeah. just this version. And, and uh, I can get really p- nitpicky and... Um, I try to let that go a little bit in the right. creative process, you know? And just, no, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's good that you know yourself, too. I mean, it would be weird if you're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I can't, you know, get past the song or something like that. But Marcus helped you, it sounds Oh, yeah, like. Marcus was great. He, um, we, we started in the f- spring of 2017 in Toronto. We, we, took, we rented a few days at um, Revolution in Toronto, beautiful studio, to yeah. record the drums and bass. Still on and Queen... It's in the East End. It's East on a little little street I'm blanking on. The same street that has the Maple Leaf Forever tree. Right. Uh, is it off Queen? 
it's just south of Queen, yeah, yeah, east. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've worked there. Yeah. 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 And so Marcus was amazing because he has great communication skills. I mean, aside from his great just engineering and ears and his taste is, I think, really great. Um, mm. He also had a certain calm and clarity in the studio when I was like, um, guys, uh, could we maybe uh, do that a little, uh, I don't know, slower, please? Uh, like, and I was all like really like disclaimer, disclaimer, like really, I, I would hear myself being super, uh, like just herky-jerky, kind of not sure. And he'd be like, that was great. Why don't we do it? Like, you know, and, and just it was really wonderful to have someone with confidence and clarity and experience to just help me. Help me, yeah. It's it's such a confidence game. You can really psych yourself out. Yeah. And um, so he was he was awesome. And then we recorded. We rented a bunch of gear and recorded at my house for. Oh, okay. Uh, ten days. Went up to Montreal and recorded a little bit more. Okay. And uh, and then I had sat with Rough Mixes for uh, about a year. My partner <laughs> bought this old beater of a house on the on in the Thousand Islands, and we spent a year restoring this old house. Oh, and nice. I didn't even listen to the songs didn't for a whole them. year. The ones we're hearing now. The ones we're hearing now. Okay. And then finally, I was like, "Am I gonna do this? Am I?" So I I called up my friend Howie Beck. Yep who is an old pal who I haven't seen for a little while and Howie was amazing I just brought the hard drive in to him and said I want to just edit some stuff and change some mm. to sounds and he his enthusiasm and like he was like this sounds great Harm this is going to be great yeah. and I was like really this is going to be okay and then we recorded a song he and I recorded squeaking voices together at his place and then he mixed the whole thing it's a gorgeous record. My wife was just just yesterday. We were driving around listening to it, and she's like, "This is amazing." It's, she's a huge fan, but it sounds great. And I, I think about when you were talking about supercharged anthems. I think the first single was "New Low," right? That's a supercharged anthem. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to ask about some of the themes that the lyrical themes here, um, because I imagine some of them go back ten years, perhaps, or in the last ten years. Um, I also get the sense that there is some call and response. I had mentioned you were here, which yeah. came out in what was it? Two thousand. Was it two thousand? Yeah. Yeah. So I so twenty years yeah. ago. Wow, that's a that's wow. I'm just astonished that that I got to say that. That's weird. That twenty years ago. That does that seem like right to you that that record came out twenty years ago? I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep track. Time is a weird yeah. force, isn't it? Yeah. I still feel twenty seven. You know, right. and I'm not. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. exactly. We have, uh, time is a feeling on some level, too, mm-hmm. I suppose that's true. So, uh, yes, I was trying to say that I get the impression uh, that there's some call and response, perhaps, between Are You Gone and You Were Here. Is that accurate, other than the fact that it's you and this is part of your trajectory? But do you feel like there's some similar stuff going on? I mean, there's still some stuff about the old heartbreak and, you know, love yeah, the maze of feelings and emotions involved in personal relationships, and there's so that I mean, I don't feel like I've taken a real different turn as far as what I tend to be drawn to write about. Um, you said the old heartbreak, and that made me think ye old. Well, you, you said it like yeah, like you know the old heartbreak. It's a it's a songwriting artistic kind of you know impulse that we have to talk about it. But I actually wondered if some of the same. This is complicated because you're a songwriter. I assume you're adopting a narrative voice sometimes, but it's also very much informed by your own personal experience. But mm-hmm. I, some, I was listening to both records recently, and I thought it felt to me like the same people 
we're populating the records uh. a little bit. Like there's a, a couple songs on your new record that seem to be reflective of your youth, of being at shows for the first time, right? that kind of thing. And I wondered if these, I don't want to call them ghosts, but when you put yeah. people in songs, they become these ghosts that haunt these songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I thought... Are these the same archetypes? Are these the s- not archetypes? Are these the same people? people? Um, Is that a hard question to answer? I would say probably no. I mean, I have to like think about it a little bit more. But it has been twenty years, and you know the the song you referenced about. I think you're talking about what I was to yeah. you. Um, and yeah, that that definitely is a look back at my you know being a late teenager, early twenties, kind of coming up in the world of. Uh, southern ontario live music and playing in bands and going to see bands and 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 that's definitely more like a a straight up reflection of of a time that's you know a few decades gone yeah um more of a nostalgia song um and then uh but i i don't know if any of the same people that populated you or here are so much on this record um there's some there's some newer, there's some newer stuff. Here. Absolutely, no, yeah. no, I, I, I can see that. I just think in a, it, it is. Ref, it seems to me there are instances where you're reflecting on specific relationships, maybe again specific situations. When you sing so evocatively about being between the wedges and the amps, like that's a frontline dispatch <laughs> to me, <laughs> like is, from yeah. the from a musical perspective, and it takes me back to. My youth is being, you know, when you first get on stage and you realize like, we're a gang here and we're together and whatever is going on outside of that. I, and I mean, that's a specific feeling when you're trying to maybe re-empower yourself as someone who's been gone for 10 years to kind of remind you of the fact that, like, I have a certain power here with my gang. Yeah. And yeah. Like, when you're having the confidence issues you're talking about, I imagine there's a little bit of reassertion there. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that impression <laughs> or interpretation. <laughs> You know, I'm getting ready to go out and tour yeah, again, yeah. and so getting the band off the ground and and, uh, and realizing that for the next bunch of months when I'm going to be touring, like all my little home projects and my my responsibilities that I've developed aside from music are going to completely go by the wayside, and yeah. you have to kind of put the blinders on for for uh, you know the work at hand, which is yeah, being in this gang, driving between towns, yeah. Um, setting up your amps and going for it <laughs> going for it yeah, yeah so i'm i'm getting getting ready for that it's been a while you say you put a bit of pressure on yourself as a songwriter and that maybe created a bit of a block between you putting these songs down is being sarah harmer ever difficult for you you mentioned like i played in drums in this band and you know in kingston and i i personally sorry i hadn't heard of that band so i don't know how much out playing out you guys did mostly local no i think we played in ottawa once oh, okay. but but yeah. no it was pretty so, I mean, that's got to be liberating, right? Because you're Sarah Harbour. I, no one here knows this, but you're... <laughs> no. I don't know. I mean, everybody is in their own thing, and, and, and I guess it's hard for me to have any perspective on what that might that's seem what I wonder, to someone else. I wonder about that uh, I had, when I talked to Iggy Pop about this. He had uh-huh. a line in a, one of his recent songs about it. all he had was his... All I have is my name, and his name is fake. <laughs> yeah. So his name is a persona in itself, and I wonder about that. Oh, thank you so much. Our food has arrived. That looks great. Thank you. Oh, sorry about that. Thank you. This is great. We will eat. Our food will get a bit cold. I hope you're in for... It's fine. It's, it's fine. looks yeah. like it'll handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I mean. I mean, you talk about the sound of your songs and what it means. And I also wonder if that's built into, like, people have expectations of me 
and my name and what I've done. So what am I going to do here <laughs> to sort of people please a little bit while also being true to my core? I just wonder if yeah. that's swimming around in I there. I mean, it swims around sometimes, yeah. but I don't really land on anything too conclusive. So it doesn't really give me too much a guidance or like it doesn't mess with me too much. I don't think. I mean, I really have enjoyed the past while where I do live in the middle of not middle of nowhere, but it's it's not in the thick of any yeah. cultural musical hotbed, you know. Right. So and and I, I I like being like the, the average Joe. And I mean, I always feel like I'm never. But yeah, publicity and and prom- self promotion and stuff. I think I've gotten less interested in it. Because we live in such a world now where there are so many individual platforms yeah, and yeah. so much sharing and stuff, I feel like my inclination went towards privacy and towards yeah. like, ooh, I'm not going <laughs> to, I just don't want to, I mean, I'm a voyeur. I do like looking at other people's, you know, lives and, you know, through the, <laughs> my, the prism of sure. my teeny little phone. But I also like anonymity and um, just the regular old humdrum yeah. stuff that does it for me it's funny that you and i i think we're roughly around the same age i talked to many younger artists on the show now yeah. in their 20s and they're starting to slowly reject these things the platforms you're talking about yeah because i think everyone is starting to recognize the kind of psychological like there's the voyeurs the voyeurism is is what it is and the, and, and that can be useful like people will say hey i did this thing I, you know, I had this bad experience with my car or whatever. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I didn't think of that. Maybe that had happened to oh, my yeah. car. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to learn from that. Yeah. But then there's other stuff where it's not good for you. And, oh, I only got 16 likes on this photo. Yeah. And, and like, that can't be good. So it's interesting. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get out of it myself uh, a little bit. I'm trying to do a bit less. Mm-hmm. But I, it's a compulsion to yeah. be on Instagram and mostly nowadays. And just, you know, do something. It feels like you're contributing something. So... I can see where you'd be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I'm a public person, and I probably should do something. <laughs> but I also have want my life to be my life, right? It's a pretty interesting way to learn about people, though. I find, like, through social media and stuff, you get people that you know, but you don't know that well, and you get a sense of their sense of humor, mm-hmm. and, you know, you develop some more insight in some ways into people's interior worlds. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it seems a little, a little. I feel for people because there's sometimes so much reaching out through that medium. That I'm like, yeah. hey, I, I want to come and see you because I feel like you're looking. You need some. You yeah. know, you need some more reassurance or more kind of feed, feedback or whatever. And maybe that is healthy. Like maybe that's not a negative thing that we are reaching out. That yes. Way. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. do sometimes worry that it's a little too much. Like I, I've been having a tough time, but I don't. I've also avoided Facebook mostly until more recently. And just to be like, I don't want to, why should I burden others with this right now? I got to just deal with it. So uh-huh. that too, I don't know, it's well, complicated. And in a way, it reminds me of what this they say about um, if you're planning to do something, you know, like make a record or yeah. do something creative, sometimes it it is not helpful to tell someone you're planning to do it because it kind of almost lets you off the hook. Like it, yeah, it, you, yeah. you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write this poem or I'm going to make this song or something. And just by saying it, you're like, hmm, okay, I kind of, that I, it satisfied a certain part of this whole process and so maybe I'm not going to actually then follow yeah. through and do it. Yeah. Like it kind of lets some of the air out of it, you yeah, know. And yeah. um, But it, it's interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> but uh, Just constantly building anticipation for things we're 
going to do and yeah it's a weird it's a weird time and i think even with your the two records again i don't mean to force this uh, analogy but the fact that you had a record called you were here <laughs> now it's are called, you are you gone are you gone and yeah. we are dealing a lot with personas and who we are with all of these things uh-huh. like just trying to assert who we are uh-huh. i just think that's interesting on some level that you're in the midst of this like you made that record in 2000 before we had most of these things the internet was just sort of being used <laughs> yeah it was still in its infancy and now this notion of self and agency is very confusing for some of us and you've got this record called are you gone and i don't know we've lost people um yeah. and in the realms of the arts when we lose people we have those artifacts right we have the records or we have the books we have whatever yeah and now we have these like i'll hear that someone on my facebook feed has that i didn't know super well has passed and then i'll look a few months later and someone's using their platform to say hey you know just so you know uh we're selling this person's records or whatever like this is sort of strange like someone has adopted this person's whole life I mean, it's it's not usually for nefarious means, but mm-hmm. these profiles are still there. Like they, they, we're still there, <laughs> right? Well, that's what that's what this. I mean, I had a really hard time naming this album. Yeah. I, I I couldn't put a lasso around all of it. I was like, what the hell will sum this up? Why do I need to have a name? Of course, it does have a name, but why? Yeah. Um, and so. Are You Gone to me felt like it could be applied to a bunch of the songs because there are ghosts, there are people yeah. that I write about and sing about and think about in these songs that um, don't really, I don't really live with any, like I don't see or I, you know, they're not in my life anymore, but but yet they're still in my mind, you know, and they're yeah. still in, and, and then also there are two, I had two dear friends pass away in, in the last few years and I ended up writing songs referencing them and that uh, that question too like what what where does it where does all that go where do these and and the idea of energy and and the live life force that we're all like or you know surrounded by and just like our yeah just the the idea of of permanence or uh, or presence and uh and how how we memorialize people um Whichever, whatever means we have. Yeah, and and yeah, just the idea of them still existing, um, and those 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 feelings still existing in some way, even though the physical manifestation is is moved on. But uh, yeah, so I felt like okay, all right, if I need a title, yeah, I think this one can can at least kind of umbrella over a bunch of these songs. No question mark, by the way. <laughs> also a conundrum i kept uh i will tell you that i've been sort of promoting your record via various means and uh writing it up for other organizations if if that makes any sense feel free to use a question mark well i had uh, and then i looked at it again and like oh that's actually more interesting there's no question mark in the in the title on the album art and i thought oh that's really actually kind of cool. Well, I got to say, Jay Maskus was a little bit of a uh, <laughs> mentor on this one. Because um, I, I, I it, yeah, I, I was going to put a question mark, and I was like, Ooh, I don't know. And then I, I did some art, like made some artwork with the question mark, and all I could see was the question yeah. mark. And I was like, oh, that just gets in my way. And then uh, my friend Paul was like, well, what would Jay Maskus do? Like, where you been? And I'm like, oh, just, yeah. And then I look back at, like, where you been? And that didn't have a question, no question mark. mark. So I'm like, okay. fine, we're not going to do the question mark. But at the same time, it's not, like, anti-question mark. It's just, 
an option. Turning a question into a statement is interesting. I don't know what it means in this realm, and it's open to interpretation. It might not mean anything. But I just thought it was fascinating. I will say that, if that's worth it. I like it. Good. You were good friends with Gord Downey. I uh, knew him a little bit. And I told my wife and some friends, like, I've been looking for him on this record, a little bit of yours. And I don't know if he's there. I think he is. The song Shoemaker comes to mind. Uh, but there are a couple songs where I'm like, I think this might be him. But then I'm like, no, maybe this isn't him. The Lookout, I thought maybe. Then I'm like, no, that's definitely not him. The more I read the lyrics, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a good song about a good person. Um, so uh, is, is he around? He is. He is around. He is what I was to you. Oh. It's all about Gord. I mean, I start, to be honest, the first line of that song is not about Gord. It's about another friend who uh, was, was, on, was dying. And, and so we knew he was very close to, to dying. And um, so I, I just had that melody in my head. And I, are you gone? Good Because our other friend Phil had, had struggled for a while. Uh, I had an illness. And so I wrote the first couple lines about Phil. And then um, put the song, like I never, didn't finish the song. And then Gord gets diagnosed, and all of that happens. And I ended up writing the whole rest of the song about about being a 16 year old kid going to watch the hip at yeah. you know Wasega Beach or wherever yeah. in yeah. Hamilton. Same, and, I'm the same. Yeah, and and be, my sister was friends with them, so they kind of took me under their wing a little, and just and so I wrote the song, um, all the rest of it about thinking about Gord. Hmm. I don't want to I know when people go we can lionize them a little bit or what have you I hear his I always think Gord's singing and phrasing is very unique um, and sometimes when you sing songs I'm like oh I feel like his influences did he influence you as an artist in that in huge that? I mean I can't really I mean yes I listen back to stuff that I like little cassettes or whatever are recorded back in the day when I was and I was like <laughs> I can totally hear your jacket you're kind of copying what he's doing yeah I mean yeah. not intentionally yeah, but yeah. definitely I mean I also hear old tapes I'm like whoa I was listening to a lot of Tracy Chapman right then <laughs> sure, you know sure um, but uh, oh I would say yeah Gord was a, a huge influence on me just again not not too consciously but just because I was listening to it a lot and you seem to know what he was doing too sometimes you just sort of I do it too with this show. Like you'll just sort of subconsciously like have a hero maybe or a person that you admire who does what you do. Yeah. And you're like, well, if they did it, it must be right. <laughs> there's no right and wrong, right? We're just making our stuff up here a little bit. Well, there's right and wrong, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you just sort of like that's the trail. I'm just going to go down their path a little bit and then maybe yeah. take a different path for myself. But yeah, I think I, it's pretty pretty deep in the in the cortex. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's. But but it's amazing how much we're influenced by people around us. Yeah. I think that's a huge, the, probably the biggest kind right. of behavioral thing is is watching what other people do around us. And he was definitely a big one for me. You, I know we, we got to eat a little bit here because our food's going to get cold. <laughs> Maybe right. we can munch on stuff while we're talking. Forgive us, people listening to this. But uh. there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. I don't want to, I don't want our food. There's nothing worse than cold breakfast, I have to say. Well, they're, I mean, you they're got fried. a toasted western, yeah. I got a fried egg salmon. They're going to, they're going to survive. You're right. Okay. They will survive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in terms of people and humanity. The work you've been doing to spread the word about environmental issues and how that informs this record. I'm always amazed at the hope you have with people sometimes because I get down on people a lot. Uh, That's why I live in the boonies. Yeah. And my closest friends are like turtles and... (laughs) Frogs. We had a barred owl in the backyard hunting a couple days ago. Nice. No, I, t- I, I have... Sorry, I totally jumped in the middle of the question. No, no, no. I was just trying to get at that. Like you... The song New Low is a cynical song on some level, but it's all, like it's a cynical song about the powers that be, I think. But it's also like, we're going to stand up to this. What do you got? Like, as who, who yeah. said that hope is a moral imperative? Or like, yeah. And I do come from a long line of optimists. Like, I'm almost annoyingly uh, averse to pessimism and people complaining and stuff. Even if someone complains only like once, I'm like, hey, focus on the positive. But Don't like, be on the, you sing about being on the sidelines and, and how that's not necessarily the way to be like but i i have been looking away from the the social cultural uh game as you started out by saying um because it is it's hard you know there's a lot of there's a lot of tough stuff that's going on and i do feel a little guilty sometimes because where i live it's all woods and wetlands and it's just rich and beautiful and and I could not get in my car for days and just, you know, prune the forest and, like, be happy as ever. And then I feel like, yeah, all right, you got to get it. You've got to face it. You've got to you got to look at it and be part of it and contribute to uh, contribute to it. Yeah. You can't just uh, enjoy paradise in your own little pocket of the world and uh, and not not be be a part of the, the chorus of things. So. Um, well, the core, uh, the people that seem to resist the talk of the change that needs to happen, I think it's an inherently, I'm not saying this uh, necessarily as a ins- totally insulting thing. There's a selfishness there because this change that we need to bring about, that you sing about, that you talk about, um, I feel like that's, that's going to impact everyone individually and some people are resistant to that. The things I have to do to potentially contribute to society or not uh, in a positive way and to contribute to the environment in a positive way, we're going to have to sacrifice so much. And I don't think people are recognizing the fact that at some point that's just going to be taken away. It's not going to be an option. Well, as Naomi Klein says, she's like, the future is radical. It's going to be radical. Do we want to shape what type of radical it is? Yeah, we have a a bit of control over that now. Collectively, we... uh, And... I mean, yeah, and I have felt selfish for just being in my own world a little yeah, bit, and not, what, yeah. you know, that's what prompted um, the question. But, yeah. but, and I, and I do, I, I think I got to a point where people were kind of just 
not that interesting to me because I was so out and out playing, performing or whatever. And people, I got just maxed out on people. Yeah, yeah, And then I just was like, boring. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so not true. I mean, you know. But I just hit my limit of of ability to, like, appreciate people. So I just kind of wanted to get be a recluse and um and now i i feel like in a good way like i went and saw a show with my friend the other night well maybe a month ago we went and saw a big thief play at the phoenix oh yeah and um i was like i felt so ready for people because i was like wow this whole room (laughs) hundreds of people everybody seemed so like it was was such a good vibe and i just felt like i had created a new space in myself to uh, accommodate and appreciate people and I'm sure that will get filled up and maybe by the end of touring or by the end of being yeah. in a van with you know seven yeah. people and all of that I'll be like give me back to the boonies uh, I think maybe the subtext of what I'm saying is democracy is confusing to me <laughs> like the way people vote for things and, and well our, our, our electoral system is messed yeah, up yeah. we have a 150 year old electoral system yeah. like we haven't updated our OS <laughs> <laughs> in 150 years, yeah, right? right? Dave Meslin, who's a great, uh, a great social activist and, and democratic reform uh, leader out there in the grassroots, he said that's his line. Yeah. He said, and so we're gonna we're gonna continually come up with, you know, 37 percent of the population has voted for a majority rule right now, and it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like it's just so immature. I think. So I'm more upset at the system than I am at the people involved. I, th- I mean, sorry, the the masses. I maybe uh, it's easier to say in a broad brush, broad strokes rather, that people voted this way, and that's why we're effed. But they didn't. The, they didn't. No, two thirds of the people didn't vote this way. But that's also a problem. I mean, the fact that the engagement with this process is so low is also a problem. I thought that when we had our last provincial election, I was like, when, if I go out on tour again, I want to bring uh, at least like a somebody a table so that there can be information on, on electoral reform yeah. because it we're it's, it's so comfortable to just kind of be like, ooh, I don't know, it's different. I'm just going to stick with what we're doing now. But we really have to. We're it's only us, the UK and, and the US, that use first past the post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's 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 pathetic. So. Um, but yeah, it's a structural change, and we're in a we're at a point right now where systematically we're going to have to we're going to have to really get to the core of a lot of changes. It's not going to be just band aid solutions, right? Yeah, um, I agree. So that's a big one, but uh, it's it's daunting, or and it's it's tempting, I think, to be big brush about the world and how people and and and. Well, we're I, seeing it spread, right? We're seeing the idiocy and the ignorance and the obliviousness spread. I mean, look at the UK. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm viewing it by the figureheads that are in yeah. power. And, yeah. and how close, you know, I felt like our last election felt closer than it should have been in Canada. Yep. And, uh, and so that's where I'm just, uh, it's hard for me. I mean, I also think you're in a, you said you kind of shut yourself off from people a little bit. I think there's a certain hectoring that goes on. Which? Uh, hectoring. Like what a does kind that mean? Of, well, it's like a badgering of people oh. to think certain way like social media is a lot of like finger wagging and like you can't have your own thoughts if you express yourself in a mm-hmm, certain way mm-hmm. and nowadays you can be like you're gone you know and you know people are persona non grata a little bit but you have this delicate balancing act i think as an artist to try to uh sing maybe or write about such issues in a way maybe that is palatable like something that is engaging and entertaining and you do it in such an artful way, 
And I don't think it's... Would you... It's not a pervasive element of this new album, would you say? Like, the kind of social didactic issue. yeah uh, you know uh setting out to to teach and pass on I particular mean, messages when you phrase it that way it's obviously not true well, of your record but you want to talk about these things in your work a little bit right i think so or is um, this the platform to talk about it more than the I songs mean, also yeah and okay. i guess i'm trying to think of through the record where there are any um real like philosophies that I'm trying to convey or put across. Because when I reflect on the record right now, as I'm sitting here with you, th- I mentioned New Low, which has kind of a call to action yes, sort of yeah, idea. Yeah. But the rest of it doesn't feel as much that way. You sing about sort of nature and the environment, but that doesn't see that's whatever. You're yeah. You're talking about not killing frogs in your lawnmower. And that's not <laughs> that's a nice environmental act by the way. <laughs> but I don't think uh, it is getting into the realm that I'm discussing. I think in some ways you you haven't really gone too deep in not on this record no no um escarpment blues was probably the most didactic kind of setting about to give a message or to tell a particular story you know i'm a mountain had more of these themes maybe Uh, the record they're all pretty personal songs there's occasional times where like i i like assignments you know there have been a a few times where i've written songs for particular reasons like open window the wedding song i wrote that for my friend's wedding and kind of like yeah give me a job <laughs> um, i i do ben i because sometimes it's you know hard to corral your life experience into a particular stanza and sometimes yeah, yeah. it's nice to be given uh, a job parameters to, to, yeah yeah that's a time cool, yeah okay okay so ostensibly this is a personal record of what's going on now and but they're echoes of your past, and it's really reflective on other levels. For sure, and I'm kind of, I would say, a nostalgic person. Like, I, I love looking, I mean, I spend, not in the last little while, but I have spent a bit of time on Ancestry.com. Oh, really? Pouring over the census and the records of, like... Is that nostalgia? That's not nostalgia. You can't be nostalgic no. for a time that you weren't around for. <gasps> Maybe I was around. <laughs> Energy. Energy. Like, yes. I, I just, I didn't know my grandparents at oh, all, because okay. I'm the youngest of six kids, and so my grandparents... Six? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, I have, I didn't know, you know, my grandparents and th- their parents, and so I, I can... I can, and I've always been like this ever since I was a kid. Like, I always wanted to be born in, like, the pioneer era. And I would always, every wishbone that we'd have, I wish that I was, like, back in the 1860s or something. Yeah, anyway, that's just my little, as a kid, always loved the pioneer stuff. So I, and I I love, I love history and my idea of what it might have been like back then. So you're interested in times and history that's not maybe that's not nostalgia that's not quite as nostalgia. much but we were talking maybe i think before we started recording that i worry sometimes about my my the fact that i'm mired in nostalgia a little bit i just moved all my stuff uh and packed it all up yeah and i am such a pack rat for some reason that yeah. i have every most every poster of every show i played and every poster of shows i went to from the 90s and I made a point of keeping it, and it's just been in a box in my parents' house. That says, and now it's all back in my life, and it's weird because I was trying. I was already processing the fact that I'm leaving Guelph, and now I've got to process my life in Cambridge <laughs> when I was first going to shows and right. seeing bands. And uh, I'm not sure what psychologically that means or what it does to me to be. Are you a pack rat? Do you keep stuff? Yeah, I have a big a room full of 
full of mementos and and newspaper clippings and all that stuff too. Yeah, your parents are like, "What is this piece of paper?" No, that has, I like, have nothing? Beach, I have taken it out of my parents' home. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it was all in the boxes in their garage, out of their way, and then they were like, yeah. "My sister lives in Ottawa now, and she's there, and that's recent, and I'm leaving Ontario." So they're like, "You know what? Yeah, it's time. Get your stuff, like, we've get had it, but it's fine. Yeah, you yeah. got to take it." So we. No, that's fair. I just wonder what it... This what stuff it, has been important to me. Yeah, I and, mean... And it sounds like it has been to you. Like the tracking time, archiving time. Sorry, the yeah. other aspect of moving is people say... Or I've... Just, I'm, my wife's like, good Lord, why do you have a thousand records? Like, not in a bad way. She's just like, it's crazy. Like, you've got all... And a VHS tapes. Like, what are we moving this stuff across the country for? And that's slightly pathological. Like, I might have an issue with it, but I'm like, well... As you know, maybe Sarah too. Like the way we consume culture now is all very ephemeral or intangible. Yeah, and there's not going to be an archive of any of it. And like, you have kids. Yeah, and I know I have VHS tapes. Yeah, and you have uh, a player though. I, I do, but I don't think it works anymore. Yeah. I have cassettes, yeah. tons of cassettes, tons of CDs. Still, yeah. um, I like the physical, tactile stuff. And but yeah, it. Are you well, gone? All of the stuff we process on Netflix and like we don't, I don't buy DVD. Like I used to buy, I used to go to movies, buy movies, not a one. I'm like, well, it'll eventually be on my, uh, you know, my streaming service. And that's weird. Like there's going to be no, I think that's weird because all of these, remember ADAT tapes? Did you ever I make have, a... Re- I have DAT tapes and I have some really good stuff on some DAT tapes, like some old recordings of friends of mine who are really brilliant, who never really carried on with music. But, but who, do you have a player? I do not have a DAT tape. And do you know machine. how hard they're... No. That's well, I was at the CBC a couple of years ago, and they had some DAT machines that I think they were giving away, and I remember being like, oh. I should get one of those. Oh, okay. So, but I didn't. Because all the records I would have made when I was younger with, like, Jim Guthrie or whatever. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got them on DAT, but I don't have a player. I have a Royal City poster on my poster wall oh, nice. on that tour. Nice. Yeah. So we have... All I'm getting at with this weird tangent is when you talk about Are You Gone... And keeping people's spirits alive through mostly by memory now. We're going to become this weird oral storytelling culture. I hope so. I guess that's good, but I also think we're also an evidence culture. I was at a concert, and I'm going to show you that. I had a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. I'm going to show you that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually someone's going to say all the ways we captured this digital stuff is obsolete. Like the dad. Oh my tape. god! No, I tried and to get my my. The, you were here. The the artwork for that. Exactly. We, we put everything out on vinyl. This like arts and crafts yeah. reissued everything, and I had stuff on like floppy disk. And they're like, I have no uh-huh. idea how to access that. Isn't that strange? Like yeah. I, I don't know what the solution is because you're supposed to stay up to date, but up to date is always changing. So the thing is, we're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> and like and this conserved. stuff, you know, <laughs> I, I just read Tom Wilson's uh, book, Beautiful yeah. Scars, yeah. which is a great read. And he, as a beautiful, you know, sensitive soul, he, he talks about going through a, a thrift shop. And he said, I always, always have a hard time looking through knickknacks yeah. and stuff because these, this was somebody's collection. This was somebody's uh, yeah. prized stuff. And now it's being combed over for 25 cents. And I, I think the same thing. I mean, I, I wrote the song Shoemaker. Yeah. And that's about my great, great, great grandfather who came over in the 1820s from Glasgow. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, he was a shoemaker. My mom didn't even know he was a shoemaker. I found that out because I went, poured over the census. Ancestry.com? Like, yeah, oh, okay. it, it says, you know, from 1871 or whatever, what his what his livelihood was. And, I, and one of the lines is, 
who thinks of them now, their faraway gazes, just a face sent to the future. You know, it's yeah. just like... Just a face sent to the future. Yeah, yeah. These, these, these people are looking out at you from these old black and white photos. And, yeah. you know, it's not a new thought, but it's just a... Wow, that was a whole life and a whole world and a whole community and family. And uh, it's, a, it, and it's fleeting and it's moved on. But, but has, it re, has it regrouped in some other energetic way to... You know, or just genetically come down the line. Yeah. You know, is the fact that I love to sweep floors related to my great grandmother who was a love to sweep? Like I don't know. Right. As an example, yeah. like yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. that stuff is 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 interesting to me. Oh, I do think there's a little bit of a simulation going on. I figured out that we're moving on the same day my parents moved us out of our first house in 1980. I thought it was 86, but apparently it was 87. And I think it was off by a day. My dad says, no, actually, I think it was closer to New Year's. But still, the fact, and my, I was in grade four, my kid is in grade three, or my, my sister and I are the same age gap as my two kids. Right. That's weird. Like, there's no, ex- like, that's, I couldn't have planned for that. Well, I guess if I was a sicko, I could have planned for that. <laughs> but why would I? But no, I'm just like, whoa, that's weird. So there is this, anyway, I do think getting up every day and recognizing that we're all going to die, as you say, might not be a, an unhealthy way. I've done that. I used to do that to get ready to play shows or do a pr- presentation at university. I'd be all nervous. nervous and then yeah. I'd say, well, I t- the mantra I would tell myself yeah. before going on stage or doing whatever is, no one's going to die. The worst thing that could happen is you might screw something up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to die. No one's going to die. <laughs> so if I was a boxer or some kind of fighter, I don't think I'd have a good mantra because I think someone could probably die. But that's probably a good way of looking this at it. the opposite, yeah. Well, it's a good way of looking <laughs> at it in terms of even my sort of fretting about moving or missing my house or missing my friends like it's true we're all just passing through a mm-hmm, little bit mm-hmm. it's not necessarily morbid it's just true like yeah it's just some stuff, perspective that's my, <laughs> my friend said the same his daughter gave herself or got a tattoo uh-huh. and unknowing he didn't oh, know right right and a pretty minor little tattoo whatever yeah and he was pretty freaked out about it and then he realized you know what it's going to be on your body forever but your body's not going to be around yeah. forever. Like wow. it's it's yeah. it's we get so attached to uh, the mo- you know this time and all this stuff, and sometimes it's good to just uh, be a little be a bit less okay. uh, a bit intense about it. All right, I think that's. I'm not fair. telling you anything. You're not telling me to sell my yet. record collection or anything. I just <laughs> no, think no. you're probably it's probably a fair point. Okay, so. Uh, it's been 10 years. You've got a lot of tour dates. I see that a bunch of the shows are selling out or have sold out already. So there's excitement for you. That's great. Yeah. You must feel good. What? So do you already think, I'm not going to take 10 years to write another record. Are you working towards stuff already? You don't know. Who knows? You're not. You're in the moment. No writing has gone on since uh, the end of no, the... No, I mean, I have a couple other okay. ideas and stuff, but... Yeah. You don't want to say. You said that earlier. It's better not to yes. spoil the surprise or it lets you off the hook a little bit. Yes. Too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, I feel like your website's all souped up. And I think there's some tour dates on there. Pretty much nothing else. Maybe they can access the advance, like buy the record in advance. SarahHarmer.com. SarahHarmer.com. Yeah. And also all my other records, like Songs for Clem and You Were Here. Um, hey, someone just said my name over there. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. We've been spotted. Oh, sorry, Sarah. <laughs> I yelled um, your name earlier. I'm surprised there wasn't a, you know, Sarah uh, Harmer mania all of a sudden. <laughs> Big in Campbellville. Uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, yeah, people can get um, vinyl and the advance record. Um, well, they can order it. It comes out the 21st of February. Is this, Mark, the first time your catalog has all been on vinyl? Or, no, some of this yeah. stuff Yeah, no, um, uh, previously all, uh, what is it, oh, Little Fire was on a limited release of re- uh, yeah. vinyl. But no, I think... Yeah, we we just mastered, remastered everything, and re- went through all the artwork. Mm-hmm. Missed a couple things, but you know, generally it's missed all, a couple. Well, things. no, just a couple little details, liner note issues, but oh, all good, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, so I'm not thanked. Okay, I, 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 <laughs> I missed you. I, I know what you're saying now. I, I was not thanked, and all the records. Okay, that's it's a right. huge omission. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, congratulations. I mean, and funnily enough, uh, in all my fretting about tangibility, vinyl big resurgence in vinyl like people reassuring stuff yeah yeah that must make you feel good to have like a big tangible thing i'm really happy and it's arts and crafts i haven't put out a record with them before so this is the first time and uh, they've been amazing to work with and they've just got really great taste and good commitment to to vinyl and yeah any i know this is primarily like a business thing you have on a new label but anything particularly interesting to you about like are you like I love arts and crafts. This is great. Like, is there some sort of backstory there? Of I mean, I've been a fan. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I remember when Kevin Drew and Jeffrey Remedios started Arts and Crafts, and when they put out a Stars record, and I think, you know, the Feist stuff and the broken social scene stuff. And so, yeah, I've been a, to- a total fan. Okay. And I really have just appreciated that it's uh, – a small enough crew of people that you can really just work one-on-one with them and there's not too many you know divisions between communication it's pretty pretty um real and and it feels great not to hit this nail too heavy on the head but gord again gord worked well, with them well yeah gord put out his solo records through arts yeah. and crafts and i also refer like thought about that and how what a nice job they did with yeah. uh, the secret path and so that was that was part of the yeah. attraction yeah. Okay. I just went. Uh, then again, I didn't mean to be too heavy-handed about that part, but I yeah, think yeah. Th- there's a trajectory there. Sorry, Gord's very important to me, and I'm I do miss him um, a yes. lot. And he was always we our you know interactions were fleeting at best, uh, but they all were meaningful to me. Like every interaction. I know that's what his part of his power. I think was that he like he really projected a lot of love and attention and and real interest. And in, in most everyone he met, and you know whether you got to know him well or whether he was just some someone that you knew on the you know here and there, but uh, he had a big aura and a big a big love of other people, and he gave a lot of people his time, which I find with when I you know being away from music for a while, and then you know maybe engaging with some of my friends who are still musicians, I'm like oh yeah, there's a certain Sometimes there's a real blind spot with performers, you know? They don't really know how to ask questions of other people. They're so used to being the show person and being on-on that they don't have a really great ability to bring people in and, like, create some space. But Gord Gord didn't have that problem. He was really a big person, but then he was also able to create a lot of space for others. I think the problem also when you get to a level like yours or Gord's is that people start wanting stuff from you a lot. They start asking you for favors and... Uh, I'm not. I'm sorry. I've asked you to play shows here and there, and uh, I hope I was. Oh, benefit shows. Yeah. Man. Well, I just mean, but I think there's got to be a bit of a. Oh. Oh no! You get you, you get your guard up. Yeah. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So I can see that part of it too. I just want to say before we go, like you and I met uh, for the first time in Nashville uh, in uh, October of 2000, so 20 years ago, 
And uh, two weeks later, I first met Gore Downey in lower, uh, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And we huh. talked all because of that Royal City tour. I'm, re- I'm referencing a Royal City tour I went on. And in, in Manhattan, Leslie Feist was opening for Royal City and Gord was there okay. to see her because the hip were... Well, I showed Gord our tour itinerary. I talked to him like he was a big hero of mine. Yeah. And he looked at our tour itinerary, which was, you know, scrappily, like we're driving from Indianapolis to Philadelphia to somewhere. Like the t- routing didn't make much sense. And he just went, huh, you're doing it the hard way. And I went, yeah. And that was like, just we were just engaging on a, a level that I, you know... I, I, that just meant a lot to me, to meet him and talk to him. And then, yeah, two weeks later, roughly two weeks later, I would have met you for the first time at the Springwater, I think it was, in Nashville. And I do remember drinking uh, draft beer at the Springwater and waking up with the most horrid <laughs> hangover. Sorry. No. It wasn't my fault. I don't even think I drank very much. I think there was some uh, issues with the uh, beer yeah, there. Springwater was not. Sorry, Springwater. At the time, to, I don't know what it's like right now. I don't know what it's like right now or if it's still there, but it was a strange place that was awesome to see Royal City though yeah you guys had like your parents minivan I think we had Aaron's minivan that I was I was road managing you were road managing so I was in charge I still have the poster and it says Springwater on it oh it's from that show it's from that show okay wow yeah so yeah we all I'm saying is uh, it's and we've had nice interactions over the years I would I would hope to say and uh, thank you just thank you for being you and for being kind to me over the years and for making another amazing record I hope uh, I hope people pick it up pick up on it and and check it out that's all i wanted to say i want to say one last thing thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome thank you for spreading the word and being such a huge supporter of lots and lots and lots of music well thanks i appreciate that it's been great now if we can go out on a song as i often do uh with my guests is there a song from the new record that we can play for people that uh uh will uh you know entice them let's play the lookout the lookout which is the one i wrongly thought was maybe about a nice person, but now that I think about it, oh man, nice person with some, with some issues. Lovely imagery in this song. The lookout sign behind them, and okay, sorry, I don't mean to, to disparage whoever the song might may or may not be about, but I was like, oh, this is a sort of a darker song. Bit of a jerk, but uh, it's a darker song, right? <laughs> a little bit. It's a darker song. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, something to see, something to be warned about. That's what life is. A little bit <laughs> learning from people. Okay, this is the lookout by Sarah Harmer from the excellent new record. Uh, Are you gone? Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks, we should Peach. eat our cold food. Okay. <laughs>
Thanks to the extreme, to Sarah Harmer, for being on this, the 521st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify, YouTube, and Audio Boom as well. Also, thanks to Sarah for recommending uh, that breakfast spot, the Trail Eatery. It was really good. And it was she didn't know it either, actually. we just pick, She picked it because it was close. It was in between where she was at in Burlington and where I was at in Guelph. It was great. I recommend the Trail Eatery. They're not even paying me to say that. I just, I liked it. So I would go there again. Maybe I'll go there again with Sarah. You should go. You should go with Sarah if she ever goes. If she wants you to go. If you can't find an episode of this show that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or uh, follow me directly, at vishkana. You know she picked up the tab? 
That was nice. She didn't have to do that. I should have paid for my end of the breakfast. I don't know why she did that. That was just sweet. She's sweet. You know why? It's because I was moving away. It was like, I was the day after I moved my, packed up our house and moved it. Anyway, Sarah's, Sarah's great. Oh, you should also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to keep this podcast going. Because it's not every day that Sarah Harmer is buying me breakfast. I have to buy breakfast sometimes. And if you uh, donate $6 or more uh, on Patreon, you have access to exclusive content from my audio archives. I bet Sarah Harmer's in my audio archives somewhere. I might dig, maybe I'll dig something else up and share that with you. Again, $6 or more, patreon.com slash creative control, or whatever you like. Whatever you can donate is, is fine by me. Except Sarah Harmer, you don't have to do donate anything. You, you, you paid for breakfast, so I actually owe you something. Well, you should start a Patreon so I can cover the breakfast tab. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. For his support uh, via the musical selections you sometimes hear on this show, I'd like to thank my old friend Jim Guthrie, and you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Sarah Harmer and uh, maybe digging in and checking out some other episodes of the show and subscribing to the podcast and telling your friends to maybe they should do the same because it's fun and it's good. That would be nice. I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye for now. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.